Welcome to Talent X, the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work, empowering you to better understand and deliver a best in class, future proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Talent X Podcast. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to another episode. Of Talent X, the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Chris Dunn. Chris is a partner and chief HR officer, CHRO for those uh, in the trade, at Kinetics, a national RPO recruiting firm headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. He's also the founder of two talent industry leading blogs, two really good blogs, I might add, Fistful of Talent and the HR Capitalist. By the way, I also write for Fistful of Talent. Uh, and he has written over 100 feature columns at Workforce Management Magazine. Um, I'm proud to say I brought Chris in at Workforce Management uh-huh. and got him, got him started there. Prior to his investment at Kinetics, Chris served in HR leadership roles at Daxco, Charter, and Singular. Chris is also the author of The Nine Faces of HR, which was released by Sherm Publishing in June 2019, and is a really good book. If you're interested in HR, I suggest you buy him one. Thanks for joining us, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good, John. Good to be here. Good to throw it around with you today on the topics we have in front of us. Wonderful. We have a lot to talk about, so let me get started. Sure. You're a longtime HR leader and a partner in a recruiting company. Things are going pretty well, and then 2020 and the coronavirus comes along. What have you had to do to change your game, your style, and cope with all the unprecedented issues that came our way this year? And what have you had to do to help your company get through this? So do we do we have to do this question, John? Because you're <laughs> right, things were going really well. And then 2020 hit, like specifically, I guess what, second, third week of March, you know, I, we had had our best year ever for nine straight years at Kinetics. So just a really good growth projection, great team. We've got the best team that we've ever had. And then all that stuff hit us. Um, you know, it's kind of kind of hard, you know, to know where to start on the answer to this question. So I'll, I'll keep it fairly brief and you can redirect me. I think, you know, what we've had to change is we've had to become, you know, we're, you know, we're a mid-sized RPO firm doing work for some great clients. You know, some of those clients went away because in, you know, a recession, I guess an, an epidemic um, fueled recession, you know, the last thing you need is recruiting help. So we've had to become more scrappy, I think. You know, we've done more contingency work, more single position search work. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we took for granted in a normal economy went away. And I should add, rightfully so, no criticism to our clients. I mean, our clients were dealing with the same stuff that you know any company that's been impacted by COVID was dealing with in the States. And we're primarily a domestic uh, United States-based firm. So I think we became more, more scrappy. I think... Um, you know, we've tried to like watch our spend and try to treat people the right way. And, you know, the good news is we're, we're starting to see it turn around a little bit. Have you found that your clients are doing a lot of the same things that you are? Yeah. 
I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we did not really have a client in our, in our arsenal who was really thriving at this time. You know, you always hear, you can get tricked in, especially in the States. I don't know as much globally, but you can get tricked by reading the success stories of the tech firms, firms like Zoom. You can get tricked into thinking that things are okay But what I would tell you is for all of our clients, it was a real struggle. The good news is for the vast majority of those clients, we're starting to see them recover, not to pre-COVID levels, but we're starting to see the chart go up just a little bit related to number of openings, which means they have some optimism and hopefully I, I think they see a path forward as do we. Well, one of the things that I've heard you talk about a lot, and we were chatting about this before the call, is uh, you talk about the concept of hunkering down. And as I told you, it sort of reminds me of what the American 101st Airborne Division did at the Battle of the Bulge when the Nazis started to to bombardment. They had to really, really hunker down until George Patton managed to get his tanks in there. Uh, But how do you define hunkering down? And when when do you hunker down? How do you know when it's okay to put your head up and come out? You don't want to stay hunkered down for too long, but you also don't want to come out too too uh, too soon. So, yeah. how do you how do you navigate this? So it's a good question. I think let's start with the definition for the uninitiated in the heart and the art of hunkering down. Let's talk about what that is. That's candidate behavior. So I'm not talking about hunkering down at Kinetics or with any of our clients. Although certainly we've hunkered down at Kinetics. It's really a candidate behavior. And what we've seen, what I remember from the last recession in the United States in the 08-09 era is during that recession, even for a period, you know, intermediate term thereafter, great candidates were less likely to jump for something that looked like a lateral to even a slightly um, a good move from them from a, from a salary or, you know, an ability to earn level. What, what happens in recessions, I think, is hunkering down happens, which means that candidates who during the, the expansion that we saw from 2011 through the first couple of months of 2020, candidates who over the last four or five years were more than willing to make a move to their next job for a five, 10% increase they really didn't discriminate a lot like with the moves they made. What happens in a recession is there's so much fear, doubt, and uncertainty, John, that a lot of those candidates who are gamefully employed, they understand they don't know what they don't know related to the health of a company that they might jump to. So all of those candidates, if they're gamefully employed, are hunkering down, which means that a lot of the candidate pool that employers expect when they have openings in a recession is not there. It's harder to draw those candidates out, John. Do you hear much from the companies that, that you deal with that they're focusing now more on retention as opposed to hiring, that they're sort of looking more at their own staffs and saying, hey, maybe the best trick here is to keep a hold of our own people and to make them feel feel better. One, you know, if people feel that they are wanted, even in a time when a lot of folks are losing jobs, they uh, are more engaged, I would think. So do you hear much of that? I think it's always a reference point and a priority for people, you know, 
retention and doing all the employee relations stuff that leads to good retention. I think that's always a topic. You know, one of the things I think I'm proud of at Kinetics, I think a lot of employers would agree and have done the same thing on their own. You know, we saw, and we tried to do this on our own as a firm, we saw a lot of really good communication going on throughout the COVID period and we're not out of it yet, right? So when you think about late March, April, May, June, I think one of the things that in addition to, you know, just retention happening because we're in this pandemic-based recession, I think companies have actually done, a lot of companies have done a better job from a communication perspective in terms of what's going on. I think there's been a feeling of more transparency than maybe you had under normal times. And I think that along with the fact that we are in a recession, so there's fewer places to go, you add in the hunkering down thing that I described, and then you add in the fact that I think a lot of companies have done a really good job communicating during a really difficult time. And I think it creates a, you know, kind of an aura, if you will, of retention where people are less likely to leave. I think you add hunkering down to just good communication. I think retention is probably better coming out of whether you think we're out of it or not, whenever we're out of it, even if it's improving a little bit, I think retention is better as a result. But also to your point, you know, and you and I talked offline about this, I think there's some Gallup studies out there. You wrote about this at Fistful of Talent recently. There's some Gallup studies out there that show that employee engagement is at an all-time high during that COVID period. You know, you can make the argument that good engagement scores equals greater retention. And, you know, without rambling on, I think you've got to like, you've got to wrap all of those factors in to say that we are in a better place from a retention perspective than certainly we were pre-COVID, as morbid as that sounds. Well, to follow up on that, we hear a lot of talk about the need for people to become more agile, more flexible, and to work to reskill themselves and cope with the evolving needs of the workplace. What do you make of that? Is that what you are seeing? Oh, I, you know, it's a, it's a loaded question. I, I, we don't see, you know, you read a lot of articles about reskilling. I think um, if you're an employee, if you're a candidate, if you're an individual, I think reskilling is easier than it looks. I think it requires a, a fair amount of focus to do it on your own and maybe to go to some type of online environment where you can get better at something or add knowledge, skills, and ability to your, to your arsenal to position yourself better you know, on the recruiting trail. I think that takes an incredible amount of discipline. John, I always joke as like an HR leader that you know, one, of the, one of the cheapest things you can do is to really offer up tuition aid as a benefit because it looks great on you know the the pdf of the benefits you offer but it's incredibly hard to use you know when you think about candidates with families obligations to take care of parents i mean just a variety of things there reskilling is easy to say it's hard to do on the individual level and what what i would tell you on a company level about reskilling is we do have a client or two that's actively talking about reskilling primarily in the healthcare world 
because you've got some adjacent type of skills that with the right amount of training, you might be able to move them a half click over to take care of a need that you once had. So we see that in some very specific sectors, but once you get outside of those very specific sectors, I don't see a lot of talk about reskilling because I think people are still, I think corporations are still in survival mode as well. And then last thing that I'll throw it back to you is I think if you think about reskilling on an individual level, especially if you have somebody who is currently out of work, you know, the thing they're most focused on is providing for their family and being on the recruiting trail and doing what candidates do, which is typically applying to hundred jobs a day and not hearing much back. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the sad like state of online applications to, to companies. I think our recruiters at Kinetics do a pretty good job of treating candidates with respect, but it's really hard on people. So I, I like the topic of reskilling, but I think it's hard on both ends for, for corporations trying to survive and for candidates trying to survive and those who are incredibly busy in a really strange time. Uh, do you see any long-term takeaways from the lockdown and pandemic? Are there any positives we can we can sort of hold on to that will help us to move us ourselves and our workforces ahead and our well, organizations? I, yeah, I mean, I think there are some positives. I, I think you you've got to split up you know the workforce and the candidate pool a couple of different ways. But you know, one big positive is you know I think. The, the pandemic and COVID has really pushed the envelope, probably pushed us ahead at least five, if not 10 years related to how companies view remote work and how they, re, how they view a work-life um, kind of blend, you know, in a lifestyle um, for the employees they have. Certainly that's true from a white collar perspective. I can't speak as much to the blue collar perspective that is very specific and requires someone to be at a certain location at a certain time. But John, when you talk about white collar work, I think the fact that so many companies had to send employees home, I think it, it, it ramped up companies. It probably, you know, jumped them forward five years in terms of trying to figure out remote work. It jumped them forward, figuring out how to, use digital tools in that regard. And I think the big winners, you know, coming out of, you know, whenever we clear COVID and I'm, I'm optimistic, you, you know, obviously that we will. And I think we've already figured this out to a large degree. I think we'll continue to figure it out. I think the big winners here are going to be the companies that maintain a lot of the flexibility that they granted their employee bases. And I think the other thing that happens, and you may want to talk about this separately, is especially in the white collar world now, John, you know, a lot of a lot of companies were locked into location when they recruited. This whole remote work thing blows that model up, not entirely, because a lot of companies are going to want to get back together, at least want to get back together you know, from time to time or periodically, or if they were five days in the office, they'll go to two or three, even Wall Street firms are talking about that. But I think your recruiting radius, if you will, as a company, if you're willing to consider remote workers and you've figured some of this out, that recruiting radius has increased exponentially. Now you're not just talking about a metro area, 
you're really talking about the nation, wherever you live, and potentially the world. And that sounds dramatic. It sounds like I'm trying to do a movie trailer on you, but I think the big winners are the ones who can maintain this stuff and meet people where they're at. So it sounds like you think that the sort of the genies out of the bottle on remote work that we're not gonna we're not gonna go back to how it was prior to the pandemic. That this sort of thing that a lot of or or, or a lot of organizations had to do just to get by is probably going to stick. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. And and you know you've heard me say this probably, John. You know to to the point of our listeners. You know I first met John when he was the executive editor at, at Workforce Magazine, he brought me on as a columnist. So um, you've probably heard me say this, we've had so many conversations, John. You know, I'm an HR generalist by trade. So what I would tell you is the truth almost lies somewhere in the middle, right? So if you think about, it's not gonna be 100% remote, but it's not going back to the way that it was. And I think the best of both worlds is to have some sense of place where people can get together once we clear this this COVID thing, to still have some sense of place where companies will be able to leverage physical places an advantage if they can provide it periodically over companies that went from physical place to 100% remote. But um, the truth is only somewhere in the middle. You will have some companies that will try and go back to the way that they did it. A lot of those companies will be driven by cult of personality founders that wanted a certain way, and they'll be able, they'll seek to drive it that way. And over time, the best talent at those companies will say, you know what, this kind of sucks. Going back to four or five days in the office, I got used to it the other way. And by the way, my kids are now in physical school. I don't have to serve as a tutor to them. I want to go back the other way. And then a recruiter, hopefully one from Kinetics, is going to call those those people and find a great opportunity for them. So I think the genie's out of the bottle. And the other thing I would tell you, John, is it's really an employee by employee type of vibe. So if Shannon Russo, my partner and I were working at a company, she may, for whatever's happening in her life, want to go into an office three days a week. I may want to go in one or maybe a couple of times a month. And the best companies are going to have incredibly flexible philosophies at meeting us where, what our needs are in order to recruit us away from whatever company's not providing that. Well, if there's a good takeaway from this whole lockdown, that may be the one. Um, so we will see how, how that goes. These podcasts always go really quickly and we're, we're getting near the end here. Uh, so last question, here at the TalentX podcast, we wholeheartedly believe that everyone should have a job that they love one that they're passionate about. So Chris, what do you love about what you do? Well, it's a loaded question, John. <laughs> so of course I love many things of what I do at Kinetics. Um, I think, you know, probably the, probably the thing I enjoy most as just like an individual is I get the chance based on my role at Kinetics to create a lot of things, not only for the company, but for our clients. So I'm a creator. I'm a, I'm a low rules um, type of individual. So I'm low rules, high challenge. So I'd love to create. And uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by some really great people who are creative in their own right, but can also, once I get it to a certain level, take any type of product or service that we offer for our clients 
and execute on it in the field so I can keep doing what I really enjoy, which is continue to create. And, you know, since I'm one of two owners at Kinetics, I've had a big opportunity to do that. But if I were working for you, John, full time, you know, to really like motivate me, you would have to get me through the stuff that was a little bit of a slog. And you'd have to focus on the unbelievable opportunities I have to create once all that stuff is kind of handled. Well, that's great, Chris. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's been a great conversation. You've been very generous with your time. We really appreciate you you taking the time to be here. So for the TalentX podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the TalentX podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentX Podcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag TalentX Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. TalentX, the talent experience podcast, was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel50. 